I'm Megan and I'm an alcoholic. Thanks for having me here today. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I'd love to share a little bit about my experience, strength and hope. You know, it all, it all started young, like, like many of us, um, you know, I'm a, a daughter of a, of a drug addict and an alcoholic. And, um, you know, it was, it was absolutely normalized in my household. You know, I never knew why I could always go to other people's houses, but my girlfriends couldn't come over to my house. And that's because our house, you know, was, was chaos with my, with my dad always using and having paraphernalia everywhere. And it, it didn't click, um, until I started using that. Oh, that's the reason why, you know, we looked crazy. Um, but, uh, it was, it was really normalized, you know? So, um, I, the only thing that kind of kept me, um, from going buck wild from the very beginning and getting in serious trouble from the very beginning was that I played, um, softball my whole life, you know, and I, if I didn't make grades, I couldn't play ball. And, um, I went to college and I played in San Luis Obispo. And for those first two years of college, which is all I did, um, you know, I still wanted to, I make grades to play softball, but it really, uh, was getting in the way of my drinking of my, of, I'm sorry, are we allowed to talk about drugs here? I, okay. Um, of, uh, of my drug use, you know, and, um, after a while I said, okay, enough's enough. I'm done with this sport. I'm, I want to go have parties and, and go crazy and skip class just like everyone else. Right. Um, now to backtrack a little bit before, while I was still doing softball, I, I went to college when I was 17 and I got my first UI at 17. So like I, I say it got in the way, but like I still managed, right? I still managed to party and to show up hungover and, and to show up all out of my mind and to need that next fix to be able to play. Um, so my first UI was at 17. I, I got it in my sister's name because I used her name when I got pulled over and um I, I just didn't, I was selfish. I didn't care about anyone else and how it affected anyone. I just, you know, knew how to try and get out of things. And I'd gotten out of so many things using my 19 year old sister's name um, that I did that. And um, for years and years, our, our fingerprints were messed up, you know, all switched up. And, you know, she, she didn't know the things that were on her record because they were supposed to be on my record. And after years, you know, that got cleared up, but it was, it was chaos. Um, and, you know, she's out there using today and, and she's having a lot of trouble right now. And part of the beauty of being in this program is that I'm one of those people that she calls several times this week alone and is like gone to the ER, all these different things. And she's trying to ask me, you know, is this what it was like for you? Is it, it, do you think this is that? And she's trying to play the chemist and she's like, which thing here can I omit and I'll feel better. And it's, it's, it's a tricky thing for me because I, I know she's sensitive and I don't want to push her away. And I want to, I want to attract this thing and not promote it. Um, so, I mean, that's one of my blessings, right. Of, of being sober is that she can kind of look out on my life and on me and um, see that it's working. And she's starting to get curious and she's starting to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Um, so uh, to fast forward a bit, you know, I, I realized that, you know, I wanted drugs and alcohol in my life. I tried to do the geographical change a few times. I left San Luis Obispo and bought a one-way ticket to Maui because I was going to get off the hard stuff. Um, and I thought the only way to do that was to leave my dealers, right? Um, only to find out um, there's some hard stuff on Maui for cheaper and stronger. So um, that was a, a quick shift from one thing to another. 
um, tried the geographical change again, came back to the Bay Area and everything. And I realized, you know, I really just uh, couldn't live without this stuff. I couldn't live without booze. So I made it my my profession. I went into um, sommelier programs for wine because if I could be a classy drunk, then I'm fine. Um, I got my second DUI when I was 21. And uh, there was always an excuse. It was always someone else's fault. It was always the cop picked on me. My car wasn't doing anything wrong, whatever it may be, right? Um, and I'd like to say it's not fair, right? You know, certain things, oh, I wasn't really doing that. It's not fair. And I, a wise guy um, said one time when he was, he was talking about a different situation, aren't we, aren't we so grateful that life's not fair? Because had life been fair, I would be locked up forever, right? Had life been fair and I got every single thing I deserved, um, I don't think I'd like that, right? I'd be in big trouble. So thank God life isn't fair. Thank God they caught me at, at certain times and, and not at the rest. Um, but that's, you know, that's a different uh, psychic change, a different perspective that I'm blessed with today. Because you would have told me that, you know, a year ago, I, I would have told you you were crazy. Um, you know, things got, things, things got really rough. Things got, um, medically awful. You know, I had Mallory Weiss syndrome where your, uh, tears in your esophagus and you're throwing up blood all the time. I was about to have surgery on my esophagus to cauterize, um, those tears. Um, by the time I, I eventually, you know, decided to throw in the towel and, um, you know, I'm, I'm so fortunate that after I got clean and I got a little bit of this life, these, these issues went away. These health issues went away. I no longer have a gastroenterologist. You know, I no longer have all these specialists because I'm, I'm better, believe it or not. I omitted all these other things thinking it had to be something medical and it's not the booze and it's not the drugs. It's something else. And, um, lo and behold, it was. Um, so I'm, I'm so blessed today that I, uh, that I can live healthy and I never thought I was going to, um, I always had someone, um, kind of in my ear, in my corner, an old friend of mine who, uh, the last I saw him, he was living out of the back of a station wagon and, and, uh, you know, up to no good. And today he has almost uh, 10 years sober. And he was somebody who kept kind of saying, hey, if you ever need help, give me a call. If you ever need help, you know, he was my Ebby for those who, who read, you know, the big book, right? Um, I, I saw that flicker of, of truth and light in him. And I knew he couldn't be lying because I knew him and I knew him at his worst. And he, he's known me, you know, at my worst pretty much. And so when it comes from someone you trust and you can see this change in them, Man, it was believable and I wanted it. Um, so one day I called him and it was February uh, 18th, um, 2021. And he got me, told me to get on a, a flight and I was at a rehab uh, February 20th, 2021. And that's my sobriety date. And I've been blessed not to have a drink or, or a drug since. Um, I needed to go to a rehab, not only because it was tough to do it on my own, but every time I tried to quit Xanax, I kept having seizures. And uh, because of that, I don't have a license today. And it's something I've worked on, but this wreckage of my past doesn't leave me, right? I, I'm, you know, I'm getting more and more sober, but um, I still have to deal with court dates because I, you know, I messed up. I still have to deal with my license, which has been like, ugh, crazy. And, um, but you know what? There's a reason. There's a reason I'm not supposed to drive today. You know, there's a reason um, I, I have these court dates uh, still coming up because um, 
because maybe I'd be out right now if I didn't have these consequences in front of me. Um, this program has changed my life completely. I wasn't a God bearing woman um, and we agnostics changed my life. Uh, the whole part about electricity and how we can't understand it, but we know when we flip on a light, it's there. Um, that's, that's exactly how I feel, right? I don't understand this God, but, um, but I can bet that it's there. And um, the part about it being like, I'm, how vain am I to believe there's no one but me? Um, that really got me. That really got me. And, um, you know, today I get to live my life in, in such a way where I can, I can be of help to other people. You know, my dad, for the first time in my entire life, has over 60 days sober. And that is, <laughs> that is just a miracle. And, you know, he tells me I'm his inspiration and he's trying to do this thing. I can't get him to a meeting yet, but, you know, he's doing this thing. And um, these are such amazing gifts I've gotten. You know, people are constantly in my corner asking little tidbits about this program because they're seeing it work for me. And, um, you know, all I want to do is carry the message and help all of my loved ones have a better life. You know, um, we don't have to live that way. Um, sorry, it's emotional, but, um, you know, this spiritual thing, it's a progressive thing, right? I've heard it said that just like alcoholism or an addiction is a progressive disease. You don't wake up the next morning an alcoholic. That's the same thing. I didn't wake up the next morning obsessed with God, you know, um, it's a progression and my relationship is getting stronger and stronger. And, um, I owe that to all these people in these rooms who have reached out, who have told my story, told other stories. And, um, I owe it to the newcomer, you know, all these newcomers come in and they, they fill me up with such hope. You know, I see someone come in who I 12 stepped months and months ago and she's clean and she's loving life and she's repairing her life. And, um, you know, I just can't wait I just can't wait for the future. And that's the first time in my life I've, I feel like I've ever felt that way. Um, I don't want to take up too much time. I think we're about there. Uh, but, you know, for the newcomer, um, you know, stick with it, you know, find a, find a sobriety date and fight for it. You know, um, if you don't have a home group, you're homeless. So get yourself a home group and, you know, get yourself a sponsor because without a sponsor, you know, you can't guide yourself through these steps and through this book. You know, I I've heard it said, you know, a sponsor is, um, this, this recovery is a milkshake and your sponsor's the straw and you can't get to the milkshake without that straw. And, uh, that's just a few things I've learned and, uh, thank you for your time guys. I'm excited to hear Jeff share. Yeah, fruit and alcoholic. Thanks Megan. Holy smokes, man. That was great, man. Your dad, Man, that is, that, man, that just, yeah, that's awesome stuff. I love hearing that. I love when, when we can be an example for our family, you know. Um, oh, my God, where do we start here, man? Thank you, John, for asking me to share. I, I appreciate it. I love being of service to Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, this, God, this program is so awesome, man. You know, uh like we were talking about before the meeting, I'm wearing a Testament shirt. You know, I go to concerts today and I remember the concerts, man. I tell you, I don't know how many concerts I've been to since 1979 up until I got sober in 1999. And uh, I, I tell you, I remember little snippets of these concerts in those 20 year time frame. And these last 22 years, I can tell you all about concerts I've been to, you know, because 
for obvious reasons, being sober, you know, it sure uh, makes a big difference. You know, you get to enjoy this stuff today. And uh, yeah, that spiritual aspect of this program is beyond a doubt the reason why I'm still here. You know, I was at a 7.30 meeting this morning down at uh, Denny's in San Jose. Had to meet a guy down there. And uh, I got to hear this young lady, the alley share and I remember when she came in new and she was celebrating six years she's coming up on seven years and her share was so awesome because the growth that you see in people when you see them first come in and then you see them I hadn't seen her probably in a couple of years last time I seen her was before COVID and then here she is and she's grown and changed and she's done what we do here you know and uh for this alcoholic it just really is one of the gifts here, you know, um, got a lot of different goals today, man. You know, like today, my goal was to go meet this guy down at the meeting because we did some work together and make sure he got paid from the boss and then go hit a meeting of alcoholics. Also, and it was great because I haven't been to that meeting since before COVID. And so I got to see a bunch of people that I haven't seen in a couple of years and it was really good. And then, then I get to, then I get to cruise up to uh, Hayward and another friend of mine, she's celebrating her 50th birthday, belly button birthday. And so I get to go help set up that party. As a matter of fact, there's a heavy metal group playing there right now as we speak up there at the, wherever it's at, the Elks Lodge in Hayward. They're, they're ripping it up right now. And uh, a pretty good party. And then I get, you know, people want me around today. That's the difference with AA. My son called me up and said, are you still coming down for the UFC fights? And I said, sure. So... I come down to hang out with his girlfriend and her mom and the new little puppies they got. And I get to, I get to play with their kid and wrestle and play with the new dogs and, and, and catch up, you know, with the family. Cause the family wants me around today. That's a gift of AA. 22 years ago, the family didn't want me around. <laughs> Let me tell you, man, it was bad. It was bad. Just like I'm sure a lot of y'all can relate. You know, I, I, I myself, um, you know, I came from a really loving family, you know, uh, what I can tell you is I hear a lot of people talk about horrific childhoods here in the room, and I didn't experience that. You know, I had a dad and a mom that did the best they could, and you know what? They did pretty darn good, man, you know, but this whole alcoholic, I, I believe I was born with the disease. It was just manifested in different ways as a kid. You know, it started off because I'm the third of four kids. And so I was always striving for attention, man. I'm selfish and self-centered. I want the, I want the spotlight on Jeff. And I didn't care whether it was good attention or bad attention. And so what I can tell you is mo a lot of times it was probably more bad attention than it was good attention. And, uh, yeah, anyways, you know, you know, I, I knew I wanted to drink, man, because – my parents growing up, you know, they, they would go out. I grew up in the Central Valley of California, down below Fresno. And uh, agriculture and country, there was two kinds of music down there, country and Western. And, uh, and so my parents, they used to love partaking in that. So Friday nights, Friday nights, they'd go out honky-tonking and go out dancing to the local bar. And they'd stay out and we'd get babysitters at the house. And then Saturdays, they would host parties at the house. I mean, my dad added an extra room on to our house. You know, a lot of people add like a family room or maybe another bedroom. My dad added on a bar, you know, and uh, that's where we entertain guests. But it was, I never seen the negative part of, of 
of uh, alcoholism. You know, they, everybody was happy. They were dancing. They were talking. They were smoking. You know, I got lots of attention, man. I'd run and get them drinks and stuff. And they would laugh, you know, if I'd take a little hit off the wine or the beer or something. But that stuff was nasty to this guy. You know, I, I really didn't like the taste. And I didn't ever drink enough to get the effect. So, you know, I, I just was kind of like, ah, you know, I could take it or leave it. And it wasn't until my parents split up for the last time when I was 12 and I was forced to move up here to the Bay Area because my mom's from South San Francisco. And uh, she said, you're coming with me, um, that I didn't fit in, you know, that I, that I, all of a sudden I didn't have what I normally had. I played sports a lot. I did really good in school and I came up here and, you know, I made the sports teams, but I didn't get in that circle. You know, I, I, first time in my life I felt like an outsider we moved around a lot when I was a kid in the valley down there but you know what I love being the new kid I fit right in no matter where I went I got up here and it was a little different man you know they were wearing Ben Davis and they had the derby jackets and they had the leather Nikes and I come up with my tough skin jeans and my and my plain pockets jeans and my you know JC Penny t-shirts and my PF flyers man and I just you know I could play ball with them, but I just didn't fit in their little clicks, man. I was this little hit kid from the Central Valley. And you know what? So I went out and I found people that I that I could fit in with, you know, and uh and that's where I started going down the wrong path. You know, I we started doing house burglaries right off the top. I didn't really, you know, didn't really get in drink. Got got into a bullied a few times, you know, fought back. I met my people, man. They were drinkers and they were they had, they were doing outside issues, you know, and, and they were like, Bruton, if you want to hang with us, you got to start fighting, man. We're going to get you toughened up, man. And so they started arranging fights for me, man. So I had to start meeting guys down the hill after school in seventh grade and smoke a joint and take a hit off the beer and then slug fest, you know, and, and so that was my introduction to, to, um, actually starting to drink for effect. And, uh, like Megan said, I mean, I was a projectile vomiter, man. I tell you, when I got to that uh, hard liquor, man, it was a wrap. Man, I was definitely going to puke, you know. Um, and it's so funny because our bodies are telling us, hey, buddy, this is poison, man. That's why you're puking it back out. We don't like this stuff going to us. But, man, the effect is so elusive, you know. It's so great because it just helps us tune out, man. It just helps us to forget about what, whatever we got troubling us on our brain at that time. And, uh, and we just, yeah, that sense of ease and comfort, you know, that we get with that first drink. And then, you know, of course, you know, we always overshoot the mark, you know? And so, uh, it wasn't long before I started getting locked up here, you know, and, uh, started going down that path and, um, H and I would come in with some meetings and I would go to the meetings, but I would just go to the meetings so I could score dope, you know, or I could pass some notes to somebody else, you know, to let them know that someone else on this other pod or this other area needs to get a hold of them, you know. And, and so I never really got the, the message, you know, that AA was trying to bring in because I know that there were some dynamite speakers coming in there. I just I was in my own world. I, I didn't know what AA was. I didn't know anything about it. And so what happened for me was, you know, I did what we do, you know, uh, I ripped and ran, you know, I ripped and ran and uh, did a lot of jail time. 
My first introduction to AA was when I was 19 years old. The judge seen something that I didn't see. And he said, Mr. Bruton, he said, we're going to give you a couple choices here. He goes, you've been getting in trouble. He goes, so why don't we try a different direction? He goes, you got your choice. You can do six months in jail. And I've already done six months in jail at this point. I go, what's choice number two? And he's like, you can do 10 meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'm like, hmm, uh, all right, I'll give it a shot. Why not? Well, I went to this meeting in South San Francisco, and I got to tell you, man, those people were not jo happy, joyous, and free, man. Let me tell you, there was a lot of boo-hooing going on in there. And mind you, I only lasted 10 minutes of that meeting before I walked out. But uh, I just was like, Phew. you know, I, I just, I couldn't put up with it, man. These people, there was, I mean, it was like there was a dark cloud over the room. Not that I was spiritually fit and that I was real happy, joyous, and free myself. I didn't even want to be there. But I'm sitting back and I'm judging everybody. And what I could see in there is that there was, seemed, it seemed to me that there was a lot of people that didn't want to be there. And so when they started asking for birthdays, someone said they had like a year and I was like, cut it out. And then some other person said they had like two or three years and I got up and walked out. I was just like, this is ridiculous, you know? And so some concerned member of AA followed me outside and was like, Hey buddy, what's going on? You know? And I go, well, you see that Seven Eleven right over there. That's where it's going to start. And you know, uh, and he goes, well, you know, you don't got to live that way anymore. I go, what? Like you guys, shoot, I, I, I you know, I'm out of here, man. I go, I, I, you guys got nothing I want. And so then he's like, well, don't you want your little card? And I go, why? I'm never coming to another meeting of AA again. So to be honest with you, I'm not very smart either. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer because I didn't realize I could have just picked up a schedule and went over to my friend's house and we could have been drinking and doing those outside issues. And we could have been signing the cards with the left hand, the right hand, red ink, blue ink. But I suffer from this disease of selfishness and self-centeredness that the book talks about. And what happens is I thought anybody that was like our secretary tonight was a cop. I thought that anyone that would be the head of this kind of meeting had to be in cahoots with the police and the judges. So I thought I was that important that if I started forging these names on there and stuff, that they would call you guys up and say, you know, one Adam 12 is Jeff Bruton been coming to those meetings over there in South San Francisco. And, uh, and then, you know, the cat would be out of the bag. I'd be caught lying. And I said, why even go through all that trouble? You know, I just not going to come back here anymore. And so, you know, what, you know, running your life on self-will that's Jeff Bruton. And, uh, and so, you know, the usual happens a couple of weeks later, the warrant comes out for your arrest. They pick me up. They bring me back in front of the judge and they say, uh, he goes, Mr. Bruton, what happened? You only had to do 10 meetings. And I go, your honor, have you ever been to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous? And he's like, no, I haven't. And I go, they're horrible. Why would you send anyone there? Man, that is the worst place ever, man. I go, as a matter of fact, I want to let you know, when I come to your court in the future, don't ever give me any AA assignments ever. I go, just give me jail time. And he's like, okay. He goes, is there anything else you have in your mind? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I go, probation. I go, what a joke, man. I go, you guys want me to piss in a bottle? And I go, I don't have a problem with drinking. You guys have a problem with me drinking. 
So the bottom line is I'm never going to give you a clean test. I go, so why even go through the hassle? Why, why not? Let's not do this dance. You know, why do this dance? I go, let's squash that too. And he goes, wow. He goes, is there anything else? And I go, yes. I go, those fines. I go, you'll never get a dime out of me anyways, man. So we might as well squash those too. And he goes, no problem. Nine months. Bam. And so, so I was like, cool, you know? And so I, that's what I, that's, how I live my life for the next six years. And so I'm in my, I'm so fast forward to 25. I come to in the cell and I'm like, ah, oh, here we go again, man. I'm going to do a year violation. And, uh, and I'm thinking, man, I got to do something different here, man. I've spent way too much time these last six years, six and a half years with men locked up with a bunch of men. I got to do something different, man. Do you think AA ever popped in my mind? Not a chance, man. My best thinking, Jeff Root himself will again. Let's get married and start a family. And man, that poor lady, man, I tell you, it took me a long time in AA <laughs> to to not only for me to make my amends to her, but also for her to believe that I was actually sober, man, because man, I put she was 19 and I was 25. And you know here's my, here's a, here's my great wedding story. She, she was a drummer in a rock band. She was an East side San Jose girl. And she was rocking out in high school with her girlfriends. She had an all girls band. And I thought, this is the best thing ever. I am going to be her drum roadie and we are going to go on tour. And then I can drink as much of the stuff I want to drink. I could drink nothing but the top shelf liquor. I could do the best outside issues. And we'll all just ride off in the sunset. I'll I'll set up her drum set and I'll tear it down at the end of the night. And I'll and we'll have a blast, man. And uh, anyways, well, you know how that worked out. Not very well because she was kind of she wasn't one of us. Number one, number two, she uh, was kind of a serious about playing the drums. <laughs> and so so being married to this drunk, I was shocked that she lasted two kids in four and a half years with me. And uh, and then she hightailed out of there, which was probably the smartest move she ever made. And uh, but for this alcoholic, it was just another reason to go down that boohoo path of poor me, poor me. You know, life is not fair. Thank God, life is not fair, right, Megan? Oh my God, I am so glad life is not fair. But boy, I was singing that tune, man. You know. I was singing that tune that I was a great husband and father. <laughs> wow, how delusional is that, man? I, I tell you. Whew. Anyways, her parting words as she was going out the door was, "You need to get some help, and if you want to save this marriage, you better do that quick." And so I, I went to a. That was my second introduction to the rooms. I went to an outpatient program at Merritt Peralta Hospital in Oakland. And, uh, and then I got reintroduced to AA and I started going to meetings and I was doing that outpatient program and I made it 30 days. And then about 30 days into it, it was family night. And I called up my ex-wife and said, are you coming down? And she said, nah, she goes, I found another guy. She goes, I don't care what you do with your life. <laughs> so, so I got up once again and walked out of that program. And once again, one of you guys followed me outside and tried to talk me, you know, down. And I was just like, nah bottle in a case we're gonna start it off man and so 
you know, I just, I ran like that for another seven years, you know, and, uh, and I, it only took me, it only took me a little over two years to go from having my kids every weekend to every other weekend to supervised visits to no contact whatsoever. And so the next four and a half years, obviously I didn't pay any child support. I didn't do any of that kind of stuff. And I just ripped and ran and I went downhill the way we do. And so, you know, what I can tell you is my goals today are a lot different than the goals I had back then. Because my goals back then, I'll tell you one of my goals at the time, I had inherited a camper from one of my buddies. He was a drummer in a band. And he, uh, he had a 1950 Ford pickup with a camper on the back. And he knew I was, I had just lost my Pistons Sink hotel room off of Grand Avenue in South City above the bar that I played softball for. And, uh, you know, it was a $50 a week hotel. And I ended up leaving that place owing the owner of $1,500. That's the kind of alcoholic I am. And so instead of being homeless, my buddy Kenny was like, hey, I got this pickup truck with a camper on it. You can have it. And I was like, thanks. So my goal in life, this was over in the Peck Slot neighborhood of South San Francisco, which is out by where Genetech is and all that. My big goal was I had another alcoholic buddy of mine that was a mechanic. His boss owned a uh, RV storage underneath 380 freeway in San Bruno. My goal was to get that truck and that camper into that RV storage so I could live happily ever after, you know, behind the gates of that storage. I pushed and towed that vehicle all over because it didn't have an engine in it. Oh, just a little side note. <laughs> so I pushed and towed that vehicle all over South City and San Bruno. And, uh, and what I can tell you is that, man, it took me six months to get that thing about three and a half miles over to that thing and get it into the RV storage. And it took me less than 30 days to get kicked out of that storage because we broke into every vehicle that was in there. We had six different families living in there. We had like seven bars in there going on at one time, bars and slash dope houses, outside issue houses going on in there. And the police were there constantly busting somebody. So, you know, of course the owner's getting the calls. <laughs> what the hell, man? So within 30 days, my, 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 uh, my house was pushed out onto the streets and towed away. So that's Jeff Bruton's self-will. My goals today are a little different, you know. My goals today, I've met a lot of the goals that I planned, and I've exceeded a bunch of them since I've come into recovery. And and what happens for me today is finally, I'm going to go probably, my goal is by the end of this year to to own some property and own a house out of the state of California. That's that's my goal right now, and I've, I'm out looking right now. And you know what? There's no reason why I can't get it today. Because being here in AA, working these steps, trusting this program and, and having a God in my life that I can absolutely trust today, there's no, you know, there's no reason why I can't. You can achieve anything you want here, I found, you know, and the goals that I had coming into AA was just to win a court case. What got me here this time was, uh, it was, uh, I was 37 years old. Hadn't seen my kids in four and a half years. And my ex-wife had, had married that guy that that, uh, that she told me that she had found when I was in rehab. And uh, they were 
they were already working on their first kid or second kid together and uh they you know a good life you know but here we go you know all of a sudden i'm getting a letter i didn't have a home i was homeless i was sleeping in a three-foot crawl space underneath my friend's house without his permission uh where i kept my four cardboard boxes stored at with all my dumpster diver stuff i had a sleeping bag a pillow and that was my existence and the scary part about that is i was okay with that existence you know and uh that's you know what that's one thing about alcoholism you know you keep digging you can go lower and you'll accept less man and i accepted this my parents didn't raise me to to live underneath someone's house and without their permission let alone yeah let alone without their permission you know and, and sneaking under this house and uh and to sleep you know and so you know uh my friend up the street was getting my mail and uh, his girlfriend brought down this letter from the family law division of San Mateo County. And it just basically said, you know, we request your presence. And I was like, Ew. and see, this is how selfish and self-centered I am. My first thought wasn't, I hope my kids are doing okay. No, my first thought is what is she up to now? You know? And, uh, and so, you know, against my better judgment, I showed up to court because I had to find out, I was, you know, I knew I'd be at risk of being remanded into custody because I hadn't paid child support in four and a half years. So, but I took the chance and I showed up and the judge said, hey, Mr. Bruton, do you know why you're here? And I go, no, but I obviously they're up, to, they are up to something because her and her husband were sitting there and I knew her husband pretty well, you know, didn't like the guy at all. And it wasn't the fact that, that she was with him or any of that kind of thing. It was the fact that I knew through mutual friends that this, this guy was the kind of guy that could go smoke crack cocaine on a Friday night and then come home the next day. Oh yeah, he had a home to come to, you know, and this is the kind of guy that on Saturday he could sit back and, and drink some Jim Beam or Jack Daniels or whatever his drink of choice was and go out and mow the lawn at this home or go out and wrench on one of his multiple vehicles. This guy had multiple vehicles, you know, you know, and so, and this is the kind of guy that could go to work every day. And I hated those kind of people. <laughs> I am not that kind of person. I start smoking some crack cocaine and drinking Jack Daniels. And those multiple vehicles will go right into the bottle and right into the pipe, man, immediately. You know, and, you know, and that's just who I am. And so anyways, when they said the reason why we brought you to court was he wants to adopt those two kids. Thank God for my broken alcoholic brain. My broken alcoholic brain said, I am their father, not that guy. But you know, you know the truth. When we fast forward over to reality here, when we step out of Jeff's fantasy world and you go into reality, the fact of the matter is, I was nothing more than a sperm donor at this point. This guy was the one paying the bills. This was the guy putting a roof over their head and clothes on their back and food in their stomach. But I, I'm so thankful that God, that I have this broken alcoholic brain because I, I was like, there is no way this, that they're going to win this court case. I said, what do I have to do, judge? And he goes, well, here's the deal. He goes, you get two choices again. I go, I'll bite. What's choice number one? And he says a 90-day program for drug and alcohol abuse. You have to go to that 90-day program, complete it, and bring the certificate of completion back to my courtroom. And then we'll review your case again. I go, Ooh, that's kind of harsh. What's choice number two? And he said, you can do nothing. And I go, I'm pretty good at that. He goes, but 
He goes, in 90 days from today, he goes, I will award custody to this gentleman here. Welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous. So what I want to tell you guys is if you're here for any other reason besides the fact that your life sucks, if you're here for him or her or the kids, welcome. If you're here to get a, your license back or get a car or get that great job that you've always wanted, welcome. Whatever it takes to get you here, because I did not come here this time to get sober, believe in God, you know, sponsor, help people, what? You know, I did not come here to share on a Zoom meeting on a Saturday night at 8 o'clock. No. I came here to win a court case. And so much more has happened beyond that. You know, talking about family, what happened for me was I got here and I completed that program. I went back there and they said, oh, sorry, you know what? You're just at the, I go, when do I get to see my kids? And they're like, you're just at the beginning. There's so much more stuff you got to do. And I'm like, what? Uh, you got to be kidding me. And they're like, they're rooted in reality. So they're, they're like, you need to do some parenting classes. We need you to do some anger management classes. I was like, wow. I go, man, this, okay. So I left and I went and, you know, cause I was sober at that time. I was going to meetings. And what I know for this drunk too is going to meetings is not enough. It's great start. Going to meetings is awesome. And then I went and got some commitments. I went to Eaton Street at 7 a.m. was my home group. They told me get commitments. So I went to another meeting and I got a coffee commitment. I went to another meeting and I got a literature commitment. But I know for this drunk, as I found out, those are great things and they will keep you sober for a little while, but they're not enough. And so what happened for this drunk at six months, I went back to court, I completed all those classes and she couldn't believe that I had stayed sober this long and she hired a lawyer. And so I tried to represent myself. I went down to the law library and started crash course reading all these books and tried to show up and start reciting sections and codes. And the judge shut me down quick. He said, do not insult my courtroom, Mr. Bruton. He goes, many of us go to school for many years for this trade. He goes, so uh, you either get with the program or, or not. And I said, okay, well, what's the program? He goes, well, we're going to, we're going to, um, put this case off for three months because uh, this guy needs to get familiar with your file. And I blew up, you know, six months into this thing, man, I think you should be patting me on the back, giving me a medal, all kinds of stuff for doing stuff I should be doing all along, you know, paying my child support, you know, being a productive member of society. Anyways, I blew up and I called everybody all kinds of names and I ran out of the courtroom because I didn't have that foundation of the steps or God yet. And so what I did was I went with plan B and that was drink, change the way I feel. But thank God for you guys, because your voices came into my head as I was plotting out this plan to go drink that night. It's, you know, all of a sudden it was like, hey, you know what? I heard you guys say that, you know what? There's going to come a time when no human aid is going to be available, that you're going to have to have a higher power in your life that you can depend on. And so, you know, I seen this higher power work for my mother while she was still alive. She was a big God-fearing person. I've seen so many, way too many coincidences happen in her life to know that this God thing really works. But I didn't think that this God thing would work for me because, you know, I was the kind of guy that liked to, you know, do a burglary once in a while, maybe a little methamphetamine on the weekend, maybe sleep with someone's wife once in a while. So, you know, I knew this God wasn't going to help me out, you know, and so I, I never called on this God. Well, Thank God for the gift of desperation, because what happened that day was all roads led to drinking. 
And you know what? I didn't want to go that road. So I, I finally got desperate enough to get on my knees and ask this God that I had no understanding of for help. And good Lord, he answered quick. Man, I pedaled my little mountain bike over to Eaton Street to a 7.30 p.m. And let me tell you, back then, those 7.30 meetings were nothing like the 7.30 meetings are now. The 7.30 meetings at the San Carlos Peninsula Fellowship are on hit, man. Those are the meetings you want to go to Monday through Friday in AA. Back then, like my friend Daryl Pearson always says, you could tell when the medication's wearing off at Eaton Street the later in the day, man, because those meetings got crazy the later in the day over there back then. And so I, but I was desperate. So I went to the 7.30 uh, meeting that night and there was probably 30 people in there and 28 of them were newcomers. And uh, it was the question and answer Wednesday night meeting. And there was a guy there, though, I'm looking around, I'm going, man, who am I going to get to sponsor me? Because what happened for me was I heard how it works for the very first time. Been going to hell of meetings for six months, never heard any of that stuff. That stuff was like, wah, wah, wah. it was like Charlie Brown's parents talking. You know, it was all, I, I would, the only thing I remember is the war stories. I didn't, anything to do with the solution was like Chinese because I had no intentions of doing any of that stuff. Well, thank God for desperation, because I heard rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. And I ain't the smartest guy around, like I told you earlier, but I, I know rarely means hardly ever. And so uh, I go, what's the path? What's the path? And then they start talking about rigorous honesty. And I was like, I got a stolen mountain bike in the parking lot. What else can I do? And so then they start talking about the steps. And I was like, because ah, I didn't want to work the steps because I was scared of that ninth step, that ninth step where you have to go pay back everybody you screwed over and you have to admit that you did all this stuff. Oh no, because man, I was a taker my whole life. There was a lot of money and a lot of felonies involved and a lot of eating crow was going to happen in the ninth step. And so I was like, my mama told me, you don't start something you ain't going to finish. So I was like, I, I, I'm not going to start these steps. Well, thank God for desperation. And thank God for God, because you know what happened? This guy, he looked kind of cool that was there. He had long hair, tattoos, looked like a biker dude, big dude. And he talked about this being a very simple program. You know, all you got to do is get a sponsor, work the steps and help others. And 24 hours a day, you've got daily sobriety and you'll grow and, and you'll learn and, and you'll have a great life. So I bought it and I went downstairs and hit this guy up after the meeting to be my sponsor. Within a couple minutes, he had me on my knees doing a third step prayer and told me to head down to Walgreens to get a five subject red spiral brown notebook. And I was like, I don't have any money. And he goes, go steal one. You can make amends in your ninth step. And I was like, Shh, this guy's hardcore, man. So anyways, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I went down and got the notebook. I came back and we started on that four step. And the dude got me into the middle of AA. We were hanging out at the emergency rooms in San Francisco at San Francisco General on Friday nights. We were going to the Tenderloin. We were, we were doing tele-service at my grand sponsor's house. He got me right in the middle of Alcoholics Anonymous and he made it fun. You know, we, we started we started doing all the stuff we do, man. You know, going to different meetings all over the place, man. And it was a blast. And so then I started getting enthusiastic as I was working the steps and I started to change and I started to trust this process. I started grabbing newcomers and started going to the city, started going to San Jose, going to Valley Medical Center and hanging out there. And when we started going to the Tenderloin and walking the streets through there and going to the drop-in shelters and 12-stepping people, and, uh, and AA was a blast, man. And what happened for me was I got to go 12-step my sister. She was one of my running buddies, my older sister. And I knew she was up in Oroville, California. And so I, I finally got a license back after, you know, I was a little over a year, year and a half or so.
something. I got a license. I bought a little $300 car when there was such a thing as $300 cars. And uh, I didn't have any insurance, but we're, who cares? You know, I'm, I'm rolling up to Oroville and I'm going to, it was her birthday weekend, July 4th weekend. So I took her out. I go, Hey, she was, uh, she had a good gig. She was about 98 pounds sucked up and she, but she was a caregiver. And so I was like, Hey, you got a pretty good gig here. I go, anyways, I go, what do you want to do for your weekend, for your birthday? And she's like, I'd like to go gambling. All right, cool. So I took her up to the casino and we gambled a little bit. And then I asked her what else she wanted. She wanted a bottle. Okay. We went to the liquor store. I got her a bottle. And so what happened was I got to hang out for that weekend with her. And then I would go, I would, I would peel off and go to a meeting, you know, periodically. And, uh, and I'd ask her, do you want to go? And she's like, I'm good. And so I'm like, all right, cool. And so I didn't force AA on her, but what I did was I tried to be a good example of AA. You know, I offered it to her. She was like, I, we had a mutual friend that was working at this woman's recovery association program. And she gave me her card and said, yeah, if your sister ever wants to try it out, tell her I'll put her to the front of the line. So I gave her the card. And five months later, my sister called me and said, Hey, I want to give this thing a shot. Can you wire me a bus ticket? And so I wired her a bus ticket. She came down and the rest is history. I, I now I got my sister back. She, she totally adopted this program and just went on her own journey. She had three kids in CPS care. She got those kids back. She's just, I mean, she's trusted the program to where she's been so grateful for just having this life that she never really had much in life, but she was happy. She had these jobs in, in recovery that just barely covered bills. She took care of her kids. You know, everything just happened. She wasn't, you know, she didn't have all the material things. She didn't, but she was so happy with this program and trusting that uh, the program worked. And what happened for her was right before the pandemic hit, she started selling these vitamins and this vitamin thing. And so she kept bugging me about this thing. Jeff, you need to try it. Cause I was like 240 pounds. I was, I was working like crazy. I was way eating horribly way out of shape. And then she, I, she got me to try it in February of 2020 and boom, the pandemic hits in March. And all of a sudden, that whole diet thing that she's pushing takes off. It, it saved me. It got me down to 200 pounds. And I've been able to stay about that throughout this whole time. But her life took off. And all of a sudden, this last year, she got to retire from her county job selling these vitamins. She travels all over the world for free. She gets a free car payment insurance. And she's making six figures selling these vitamins. And, 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 she, and she puts it all back in to her family. And she does lots of service in the rooms. She's a big sponsor. And it just, it just warms my heart to have these kind of stories that happen to us as a result of us trusting this process and starting on this journey. And this journey, I am looking forward to the next 22 years here, man. It is just so off the hook, man. I could go on for hours and hours of all the spiritual awakenings I've had since I got here. But I want to thank Megan for showing up and doing what we do, being of service. Asked at the last second, can you jump in and share a Zoom meeting? And she's like, yep, no problem. You know, that's badass, man. And you know, I want to thank John for being involved. I want to thank all you guys for showing up tonight and being a part of my recovery. So thank you once again, man. I am blessed to be here. I'm Jeff Bruton. I'm an alcoholic.